Sportsnet 590, The Fan. What's up? It's Baby Friday. Fan Morning Show. Cuthbert and Forzy. <laughs> what is that? Is, I'm that, getting is that the ready. summer introduction? I'm getting ready for a Cuthbert big day today. Cuthbert and Forzy. A big day today. Hitting the links. Yeah. And as soon as we get out there, you just everyone just gets in the Forzy mood. Like my real name doesn't exist. I think it's just two people that call you that. Yeah. And those are the two people you've been Friday golfing with lately. Golf day for us. It's a Forzy You don't like Forzy? I like Forzy. I'm, I'm shocked that Forzy was not your name playing hockey. Yeah, I don't know. Consistently. Nobody had to say my name much. I like Fours better. Fours. I should have been number 44. How good would that have been? Yeah, you really should have. Hey, I got an opportunity this fall. There you my go. You, should I be number 44 no, no, this no, fall? No, no. You're not changing your number. Well, I'm newcomer to the team, so I'm probably already has 27. Uh, maybe that's possible. If I if, if the, can't if, be twenty seven, yeah. should I be forty four? I think so. I can be fours. I have, but I'm, yeah, you're not like synonymous with the number, like with you know Bobby Orr, number four. It's not four far twenty seven. It's not, not quite no, there. I'm not a Hall of Famer, but you have established that that's your number. Me not even ever seeing you play hockey, <laughs> I know that that's your number. I think after this team has already been, like, I guess two, three years, four years down the. Line, I don't know if 27 will be just sitting there waiting for me. I think somebody probably would have sniped that number, so I might be fours this fall. So it won't be like my entire minor hockey career where there was 18 jerseys, one through 18. But then and I'm, just I like, was just thinking about that. Do you think they have custom jerseys that you can just like, I want this I number? don't know. I don't know how serious this is. You were banging the drum Forzy, on the seriousness, though. though, early on. It is going to be serious. I mean, I picked my number with my men's league team. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but you It's not guys- like we just have pennies. Yeah, you probably know. get a jersey. You might have to pay for it. Could be Forzy this fall. Stay tuned. Forzy's fall. Double four is four four. Yeah. Well, that's what you call it. And you're like chirping someone. You're like ones. One two. Yeah. Six six hey, shift. One two. Ones. <laughs> one yeah. two. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, it's Forzy day. It's it's a baby Friday golf outing for us. We got a we got a show that just highlights the range of the fan morning show and producer mm-hmm. Daniele today. Big flex from Daniele. You thought, oh, you know, NHL ended and NBA ended. How about we throw a little Toronto Argonauts at you? How about we throw a little F1 preview of the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend? How about a little PGA Tour action for you this morning we've got canadian legends just lined up this morning and toronto blue jays of course of course you got to talk about the toronto blue jays we got a chance to talk to dave markle who is the pga tour caddy for nick taylor ever heard of him mm-hmm. chatted with him yesterday they're obviously out in la so uh little west coast hours meant that we, we had to chat after the show he's he's awesome he's kind of going through it with us too right how to walk us through the moment is oh my god like it was crazy He's, he's a bro. It was fun. Yeah, he's not like, I don't think, uh, you know, the PR training for everyone is like happening right now, I mm-hmm. think, but maybe not happening for the caddy. Not that like, he was like over the top. <laughs> no, no, but he was say, just fun. Like, but he was fun. just like, it was just a normal conversation rather than like, you know, I'm trying to protect my brand, yeah. which is a, what a good. lot of people are doing when they're on uh, the radio or on different interviews. And he was just like, yeah, it was a very honest look at his perspective and interesting because he's kind of... And every man, and every man on the bag of a guy who had one of the greatest moments in Canadian history. So it was a kind of a cool contrast in that way. Yeah, U.S. Open uh, tees off today. Uh, time will be a little less distracting for us. How about that? Because the first tee times are 9.45 this morning since we're on the West Coast. So we won't. I won't be looking at yeah, Justin we, and the TV above his head while we're live on the air. We're big dummies, though, because we shoehorned in the picks yesterday during the A-list. Yeah, I know. When we could have done it today in the normal wake and rake slot. But oh well. We were just we just anxiously wanted to get it done. So we've got um our buddy Nick, Nick Taylor's caddy, um, Dave Markle later in the show. Lawrence Barretto is gonna join us, F one dot com. Canadian Grand Prix this weekend. I went last year. Mm-hmm. We weren't doing the show together then. No, no, no. And I had an enjoyable experience when you eliminate the travel slash logistics of it. So if you're going this year yeah, didn't you have like a big walk or something? Like you had to walk it home? Was, you want to rehash it was, that? It, it was rookie mistake. Like, I hadn't been to the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal, and I didn't do... 
adequate research that this is all an Ailish Forzy problem. I mean, you were with a big group. Was it all on you? It's all on it was 27? On it's all on 27? It was, might have been on 27 a bit. But I came on the radio um, the Monday after the Grand Prix, and I was very honest about my experience. So if you're going this year, there's some tips, such as be prepared to walk up to three hours in and out of the track like it's on an island and it's mm-hmm. like impossible to get to and there's it, the traffic is brutal and if you don't have grandstand seats and you're just general admission like i was as a peasant good luck those are some tips and tricks for going this weekend it's it's a hell of a time it's awesome not, those weren't tips though. that was just like a, okay a bye. caution that was just a warning well i'm not gonna just go back and listen. You basically need to be rich. You do need to be rich. To enjoy and it. so like that's that's kind of when I wasn't rich and I'm not and so I didn't buy grandstand seats and I was standing behind probably like 12 to 15 rows of people. To just, I never saw one vehicle. I heard them. <laughs> so if you wanted to hear them, no, there goes one. Never saw like an actual vehicle rip around the track because I cheaped out because mm-hmm. I didn't see it. It's kind of like our RBC Canadian Open experience. I mean, at least they had a lot and shuttles. Yeah. So that was, but we the, could get the out of there. transportation is you just got to get, figure it out before. Don't, don't mail it in like me and try to do a day of, okay? Mm. Would it be better to go early and to kind of just experience yes. like Friday, Saturday? A bunch Are there of Friday fr- events yeah, at yeah, yeah. You can go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever you want. Like, There's Thursday stuff? I don't know. Like the, the I don't concessions remember. and whatnot. Yeah, well, like you can go see. There's like, that. you know, practice trials, whatever. Oh, there is? So that would be better. They don't just show up Sunday and race. I know they. I didn't know they were doing it as early as Thursday. Well, okay, but again, we're, we're interviewing Lawrence Barreto yes. later, and I I'm going to basically be on the sidelines. Yeah, there's for opportunity it. for you to see whatever you need to see earlier on in the week, and mm. I would recommend that if you go get the weekend pass, you go Friday, you go Saturday, you get a way better opportunity to get up close and personal, see the cars from you know the fence at least. I didn't even. As I said, I didn't do it right. So now, I, almost, did, I almost wanted to go back this year and do it right, but it's Father's Day this weekend and there's other things going on. Does it affect the whole city? Like is the entire city oh, shut that, down or a, just that That's area? part two of it. T- Montreal is is so slammed. Like I was lucky yeah. to stay with people that I knew, so I didn't have to worry about the hotel situation. But the downtown, it's awesome though. They make it like an experience. There's You can tell that there's a, gr- a Grand Prix happening in the city, even though it's not like the race isn't in the downtown core. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a little bit different, right? If you go to it and... Monaco, you you're in it, right? Like you're in the race. But this one, you kind of have to go to the race. Right. Um, but nonetheless, it is this weekend. If you're going, let me know five ninety five ninety. You have um, to go to the island that houses yeah, you, the race. You kind of got to You got to adventure, and it's an exciting experience if you do it right. So good luck if you're going. Um, yeah, we'll talk to Lawrence Barreto at seven thirty. Ben Shulman joins us at eight after Barrios's absolute gem last night, and then. Hinoch Mwamba, who was the most outstanding player at the Grey Cup, the Toronto Argonauts, defending Grey Cup champs, joins us at 8.30. They kick off their season this Sunday. I Part of me is like, well, would my father be all right if I just mailed in Father's Day and went to the game? Oh, really? I kind of want to go. Well, you didn't go to F1 because of Father's Day, and now you'll be like, no, nah, <laughs> well, just go to the... Well, it's a whole weekend in Montreal. take your dad to the Argos game? I don't... I could. I don't think he'd... He might... Anyway. He would spending time with his daughter, spending time with two seven. Maybe, maybe he was the OG two seven. We could just wear two seven jerseys. Anyway, that would be nice. but uh, yeah, I wouldn't go all the way to Montreal for the weekend just because there's like a whole whole mess of things going on. But yeah, the Toronto Argonauts kick it off this weekend. So we got yeah, and they had a bye week in week one, so the CFL season already underway. Uh, but is it really underway until the Toronto Argonauts? No, get it started? starts this Sunday. So we, we talk to Hina. We'll, we'll kick off the CFL season then. With Enoch Mwamba. So a bunch of a bunch of Canadian legends, and we are golfing with a Canadian legend as well today. Yeah. Aaron Ambrose, Olympic gold medalist, is going to come out on the course with us. So dial it in, Justin. Yeah, I thought we were getting comfortable with our like grouping, and now we've got an Olympian. I'm going to be like, oh, great. I'm going to be uh, a mess again. Yeah, it's going to be good. She's chill. She is chill. We saw her at the RBC Canadian Open, mm-hmm. and she was just like a normal person. It's like, she, oh. She's a friend of mine. She's a normal person. Yeah. What, she's not, what number is, is she? Well, she has had different numbers in terms of her... I played with her when she was 13. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she's uh, 23 now. Don't you guys have your numbers retired beside each other <laughs> no. at local ranks in she's, Sutton, Ontario? Yeah, she was more of a Keswick gal. Okay. 
but she so could, a little rivalry there though. <laughs> no, we're good. Twenty three is her current number, but I played with her when she was thirteen. All right, two anyway. three and two seven in the cart. Anywho, a local golf golf course. Lots of fun guests today. Uh, lots to go through. We got some Leafs adjacent news. <laughs> We've got something on Jason Spezza. Something on. You know, Kyle Dubas, Mike mm. Mike Babcock's family. Like, like it's like a weird mixed bag of things on this baby Friday. It's like a it was a really good SEO day yesterday, I feel like. That's like right. Jason Spezza, Kyle Dubas, Mike or Michael if you Babcock. Were blogging, you all in got the, news. the hits yesterday. Yes. Good day to be blogging. Nico Hines, he's gone. Like uh Rico. Rico Hines. <laughs> he's out of the Raptors organization, which mm-hmm. is too bad. Um there's rumors of like it's just there's some drama going on in the world. So Yeah, people are scrambling. People yeah. are getting jobs and doing other things. The, the fallout the, from all the uh, chaos that was the last couple of months. We've got a Stanley Cup parade planned. That is true. Saturday night in the city of Las Vegas on the Strip. And at first I was like, why would you do a parade at 7? And then I remember they're in the desert. It's probably 45 degrees at noon. So it probably makes sense to push it to later. But that, that is, is going to be point, yeah. that is going to be a time and a half just... Those floats going down the street, the whole city shut down, but also can you shut down Las Vegas? Can you shut down the Strip? I mean, you got to have some serious clout in order to do that. It's pretty impressive that they're, I mean, I guess they are a, I mean, where a else marquee they do the attraction. You got to do it at, what's another city? Yeah, there's, there, you really can't <laughs> you know? do it anywhere else. There's really just one street. I mean, I guess you could go to Old Vegas, but that would be weird. But Ooh. yeah, it's, it's just the Strip. Mm-hmm. And there are surrounding, there's like a highway and there's surrounding streets, obviously, but the only place you'd want to be, the only place where people could line the streets and actually see strip. what's happening is the strip, but they're shutting down the strip. And like, uh, I mean, I've been on the strip multiple times. It's a bit hazy when I've been there. Okay. It's not like New York City where it's like bumper to bumper, but it is, it's a pretty important area. Can it hold hundreds of thousands of people? Oh yeah. Then oh, that's yeah. all you need. Yeah. But I wonder if you're Leave like your a, cars at home. if you're a regular uh, tourist of Vegas and you've planned this big weekend coming up, and then all of a sudden there's a massive Stanley Cup parade that's going to be on a Saturday night, but you you don't have any idea. You're there for a bachelor, bachelorette. All of a sudden you can't get anywhere. You can't get on the street. You can't walk across to go to this party, this that club. Would be, like, that would be a problem. I wonder if that's going to be. I, I don't think people will be like mad that there's a Stanley Cup parade, but I do think it's going to affect the regular patrons of Vegas that might have plans this weekend that did not account for a Stanley Cup parade Saturday night at 7 You're definitely not going to have to plan accordingly. Like, there would be, if you have to get from one point to the other on the strip, you're not gonna I don't know walk if you're going to be able to Because you can't take a car, you can't walk. You're kind of, you're, there's going to be barricades. Like, you're going to have to change your whole plan for you're this have to weekend. stay at your hotel that night, which is fine because there's True. attractions wherever you are. So you just can't, you know, be too aggressive with where you're going. We I guess. saw the cop make it out to some clubs. Yeah. I said they were, Jack they Eichel. They were kind of low-key with what they were, like, clearly Vegas. I don't like, know if you not, saw You're everything. not that low-key. But it feels like I didn't see all that much in terms of, like, crazy. Maybe for the best. They did. A, I think they did a good job keeping things under wraps a little bit. Maybe it's like put your phone in the bucket and... yeah. You get it tomorrow it morning. It might have been that. But we did see a couple uh, celebrations. Jack Eichel lifting the Stanley Cup in front of uh, some club. Mm-hmm. They but, all look the same. I think it was Hakkasan. They all look the same. I don't know. I've never been. You've got to. You haven't been to Vegas. is crazy to me. I, do, I haven't had a reason. Nobody that I know has had the, you gotta make a the bachelorette, bachelor extravaganza. You just go for that. What do I go for? A girls weekend? Why wouldn't you? What do you think I'm... I, can't I? We lost our cons Smythe bet. I can't even afford to golf today, Justin. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm reusing coffee beans because if Jack, of the cons. Jack Eichel had won the cons. I'd be going to Vegas. We do owe Elliot Friedman an apology. Yeah. Do you want to just quickly uh, discuss? We might as well. Okay. So, well, we don't owe Elliot Friedman an apology because we didn't really. No, we do. Okay. We thought we were blaming him. <laughs> we were. We were blaming him, so, and we had. We actually had the people that we not that we shouldn't trust anyone, but all of, like the big names on the ballot. The people that are like synonymous with breaking news. Elliot Friedman, Frank Cervelli. We're trying to get on. Emily Kaplan. All the people that are like front and center when it comes to NHL news breaking. Those people went with Jack Eichel. Where we went wrong. <laughs> Was and those are the people else? we're listening to, right? Where we went wrong is everybody else. All like the local writers. Local Vegas people. Jonathan Marcheseau. Local Florida people who have some Jonathan Marcheseau mm. overlap. Jonathan Marcheseau. 13 first place votes yes, for Marcheseau. He did, he did win comfortably. And five first place votes for Jack Eichel. And the five of them 
we should have. There are trusted people, though. They should have been. We should have given them more respect. I think, I think they, their vote should have been worth two. Elliot Friedman should just decide who wins. I don't think we were. So, Imagine that. So Imagine if close. it was Elliot's responsibility. To- <laughs> He'd have a lot of pressure on him. Anyway, we uh, 18 vote voters and Jack Eichel wasn't that close, which I think actually makes me feel better because if it was like 13 first place votes to 12 and it, the score was that close, I think I'd, I'd be upset. Yeah, not only was I convinced that Eichel was going to win, I was convinced afterward that there was some conspiracy. Yeah, we kind of... Like, Jack Eichel was like, oh, no, we should give it to the original Misfit. And they actually gave it to the guy <laughs> who he thought was better deserving or better deserving of having that stage. Uh, apparently not. So we apologize, but it wasn't close. And That means Elliot still has to get us back for dressing now, up as him as he, Hall- for we're, Halloween. We're all good. We'll just leave it in the past. Okay. Okay, uh, Blue Jays last night, uh, a much, 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 much needed win against the Baltimore Orioles. They're now 38-31, uh, 3-1 win yesterday night. Uh, wrapping up a three-game series tonight with, or today, sorry, yeah, one, one o'clock game um, against the Baltimore Orioles with Kikuchi on the mound. So they could take the series win, which would be huge against um, a rival. And they're not, as we know, doing quite well in AL East inter- Division games. Mm-hmm. I think they're seven and sixteen at this point, so that's pretty bad. But they get a win last night against the Orioles, and there is just really not much to go through beyond Jose Barrios. Like he is the top story. He is the reason the Blue Jays were in that game for as long as they were. I had no hit bid into the seventh inning. It's been a while since we had like the no no watch, like where you're like, oh, what are we? You don't say it online. Like, what's the? We have to go back through like what the etiquette is. Is you just put the eyeball emojis? I think Ben Ennis did that. Everyone's mm-hmm. just like eyeballs, eyeballs. Like Jose Barrios has a no hitter, right? And yeah. it unfortunately it doesn't doesn't end up lasting. But still, he he was absolutely he was dialed last night. It was it was really a treat to watch. We we have Ben Shulman on it. We're gonna have to ask him about that because I they have to talk about it on the radio. I was watching yeah they have well they they have to say more definitely mm-hmm. but so father and son doing the games on TV and radio respectively. I didn't know because I'm listening to Dan on television the entire time. I didn't really clue in that it was a no hit bid into mm-hmm. the seventh inning because there was no mention of it, mm-hmm. but also, uh, you know, I'm paying attention, but I'm also like preparing for and today's show. And there's also the scorebook, right? So they don't and have like, to oh, say it as much. Yeah, he hasn't been dominant. Like he's not like absolutely mowing everyone down. A lot of contact. I'm sure there was a hit along the way that he had base runners. He did walk, mm-hmm. I think, a pair. Uh, so I wasn't really clued into it. And that's because of that unwritten rule where you're not really talking about it. So I wonder if there's like, hey, we've talked about this before or Apple falls from the tree, whatever. Mm. We'll see if Ben was talking about it openly because we know that Dan wasn't. But I think the radio broadcast, like if you're doing the play-by-play or color for the radio last night on Sports 590 The Fan, you have to be a bit more um, forward with your presentation of what the count is, what the score is, because your listeners aren't seeing the score mm-hmm. bug. Whereas Dan and Buck or yeah, Dan and whoever's calling it, have the opportunity that Sportsnet Broadcast puts it up. Jose Brio, zero hits, but they don't have to say that. So right. you're in a different... You don't have the visual cues. You have yeah. to say it without saying it. Yeah, like, Shulman, uh, like, whether it was one walk or two walks, only two walks given up from Jose Brios through six innings. Starts the seventh without giving up a hit. Something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you have to say mm-hmm. that or you are doing a disservice. Interesting. It is interesting. But at Twitter, it gets so mad if you somebody tweets out like, Jose Brios uh, heading into the seventh inning yeah, without a hit. Fault. It's like, oh, you jinxed them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he played. Uh, he pitched beautifully. Maybe um, Ben jinxed Jose Brios. We'll have to blame him. <laughs> blame Ben. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no hitter into the seventh. He's now ten and zero against Baltimore. He's just got their number. He's uh, he's been absolutely the Jose Brios that we wanted to see last year. The contract is aging just splendidly at this point. He's looking like um, an absolute weapon in this rotation and obviously without Alec Manoa they need everyone to be playing their part um, but he just looked the level of confidence that we didn't see last year at times where the frustration and the poor starts and I guess like the mental toughness was hard to continue to do all season long and he has just bounced back to full form and I think Blue Jays fans could not be happier with the way that Jose Brios has started the season and, and yesterday was his, his best outing.
Yeah, it's it's pretty stunning, honestly, because we we know what happened last season, and you lose all trust that he can be the pitcher that's not even gonna just live up to that contract you signed, but actually stay mm-hmm. a, as a major league starter and be someone who you can even rely on for those like fourth, fifth starter. Uh, spots where it's like, yeah, just give us a chance to win. We know you're going to give up some runs, but just give us a chance to win. Keep us in a ball game. And things have turned around so, so quickly. And he looks like that top of the rotation guy once again. And I think the craziest thing about it is that the season started brutally for him. Gave up eight earned (sighs) runs in his debut. Followed that up, giving up four earned runs to the Angels. Settled down in his next start, but still only went five innings. Like, he started off as he finished his mm-hmm. season last year, and it seemed like it was a mental thing that Manoa is dealing with, perhaps. I mean, that's part of it, and we still haven't diagnosed that yet, but it felt like it was in Barrios's head, and this was something he may not be able to overcome. And when you start off a season the way it was for the entirety of last year, which was a disaster, you have to worry about their ability to bounce back and to find themselves and to actually pitch the way that they can. And now you look fast forward into the, you know, we've done... April, May, and we're into June here. He's got three starts in June, a 1.37 ERA in June, three starts. It's his Coming best off part his best. of his own career. It's not even his best part of his Blue Jays career. This is the best baseball he's been playing in mm-hmm. his entire career. So we're not only just getting the Jose Barrios that we wanted as a Blue Jay, but we're getting a Jose Barrios we have never seen in the MLB. We went from like hoping, hey, can you get can you get him through get us five innings? Mm-hmm. Like, can you get us five innings here without like absolutely imploding when you go through the order for the third time? To can he pitch into the ninth tonight? Like this, it's really really turned on a dime, and he is someone who relies on contact still. And when you rely on contact. If you're missing your spots, if you are down in terms of velo, like you can get hit around, but he is still pitching for contact and defending his position unbelievably well. Like he didn't even need his defense for the first couple innings, it seemed last night. So he just looks like a confident guy again, a guy who's going up there throwing whatever pitch is right for the scenario. It doesn't matter the handedness, doesn't matter who's up there, what their skills are. Mm-hmm. He just throws the right pitch for the right scenario because he has confidence in his full arsenal right now. And he's doing it all. He's doing exactly what you expected from him when he signed that big contract. And that contrast against last season, it, it's one of the more Im- impressive turnarounds that we've seen in the city from an athletic perspective. And I think you could even put that in league-wide. Like, we, we talk to our buddy John Morosi every Friday, and I think it's a, it's a great discussion point is, you know, there's been some there's been some Cy Young winners and some Cy Young candidates that have started the season absolutely crap. Like, he... he he has done the opposite. Like he has flipped the script so dramatically that I think it's it's a interesting point to talk about with John tomorrow. But like, has he been one of the most maybe underrated bounce back seasons? Like maybe it's because we expect that from him. But look at where he was last year and look at where he is now. Like it's it's, it's completely turned on his head. I don't know how how much that's getting MLB wide. Like you know, Kevin Gosman is still I think the ace right now for mm-hmm. our Blue Jays team. But look what Jose Brio's done in his last seven starts. Like look how he's playing the best baseball of his career. We'll bring it up with John tomorrow, but, you know, what other comeback stories are getting love in the MLB? He's got to be one of them. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we got to start writing these questions down that we're going to ask people later. He's um, always listening, though. He might be a driver. Yeah, that's true. Time. He'll just be like, hey, John, just to answer your John, question from yesterday, I was listening to you at the 6 a.m. hour. <laughs> yeah, he'll be all over it. Uh, what, I, what, I, what I really loved about the start from Brios last night was, okay, fielding the position, contact early. No strikeouts early on. Like, I think maybe had one in the first couple innings there, first three, four, five innings. But then late in his start, he starts striking out guys. Like, not only are they confused or left off balance early on in the game, and Jose Bruce is doing a great job not Mm -hmm. allowing any hits clearly until the seventh inning, but he gets deeper into the start third time through the order, and he starts striking out everyone. And it's like, wow. Like, that that is not only a confident guy, but a guy who is, you know, pitching at an extremely high level right now. It was great to see. I mean, it's it's so, like, they're desperate for this. They're mm-hmm. desperate for the Gosman start to roll around. Now they're desperate for the Barrio start to roll around because he's been as, in the last two months, as as much of a constant as this team has had. And this is a team with Kevin Gosman in the rotation. Yeah, an important opportunity to win this series yesterday was their first one win against Orioles all season long get a chance today at 105 with Kikuchi then they're playing the Texas Rangers this weekend and the Miami Marlins to follow up like this is not an easy schedule so if you can come out with 
you know, at least it's one series win. You got a big a big game today with Kikuchi. You might have a bullpen day. All these American that. League's games are of big. Of course. Like, and, uh, it, t- uh, today's, <clears throat> today's game, excuse me, will really, like, determine whether it's success or failure, obviously. But mm-hmm. if you lose another series in the American League East after today, it's like, wow, like, uh, we lost more ground. You yeah. win this game, positive step in the right direction. Winning a series in the American League East, still a long way to go. But it's today's another important one. And we saw some lineup changes. So, I mean, obviously the big story that we've we've been working through is Vladdy, who's not been Vladdy. And John Schneider gave him an opportunity to DH yesterday, moved up to the cleanup spot. Um, and Dalton Varsho elevated the third in lineup. Kirk jumps over Matt Chapman to hit fifth. So a little bit of switcheroo there. Biggio batting last. Uh playing first base. So they kind of went all over the place yesterday. And for me, the underlying reason is we're trying to get Vladdy in some sort of groove, like trying to find what works for him, trying to get him, whether it's just a rest out in, in on first base so he can focus in a DHing. But I mean, I don't know how much, any more times we can keep saying the like, how do we get Vladdy to be Vladdy? Vladdy needs to be the superstar. I mean, he's still leading the, the, the all-star game vote, but we know he isn't playing like an all-star, right? Mm-hmm. So, Yesterday, John Schneider making some adjustments to try to tweak something. I wouldn't say that it was like a smashing success, you know, but I think it's clearly like tipping the hand at their focus right now is obviously what to do with Vladi and how to get Vladi right. Yeah, I mean, maybe I looked at it a little differently in that, like, okay, this entire lineup is kind of sputtering. Can we change everything in an effort to spark (laughs) something? Like, it's the, I guess it's baseball's version of the blender uh, in hockey where it's just like, oh, we'll just, you know, mix up every line and pairing because nothing's working and we need a little shot in the arm. It it definitely felt like that. But, yeah, I mean, at the core of all these issues from an offensive perspective, it is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who continues to struggle at the plate, who continues to kind of devolve in terms of his approach – uh, I mean, it seems like a guy who's, you know, when you're, when you're losing your golf swing, right? You start doing, you, oh, it's it, gone. maybe you're looking at uh, YouTube tutorials or you're getting advice <laughs> from people and you're trying to combine all these different ideas and really you just get further from the point, which is, hey, should we simplify things? That's the way to get back on track. And it seems like someone who's trying to, it looks like someone who's in a slump, who's trying to do too much, who's trying to find something in order to get them out of the the problems that they're in. And yeah, I mean, it was it was not a step in the right direction last night. Uh, there was an instance of him like dribbling one out there, not really running it out, and it's like See, okay, that stuff for me is like so that's the easy e- stuff yeah, you can it's handle. So easy, and like- it's, it just compounds the frustration a little bit. Like I'm not there where I'm like, you know, overreacting, uh, hot take. I don't think we're there yet. I, I just think he has to hit one out of the park. And build like I think that is the tonic for him like that is the thing that will help him out and I do think if you just get back to basics basics and simplicity you may get there but I don't think this is a lost cause I don't think this is like a disaster scenario I think if he plays his best baseball in the final three months of the season that's a good thing Mm -hmm. like I I do think there are positives here he's just got to find something and right now he's searching maybe a little too hard for it yeah the the little things for me You haven't afforded yourself the opportunity to, you know, jog it out or not make a hustle play or not look like you're taking every single approach to be serious, be a leader by example. If you're in a slump, it's like you got to do the simple things all the time, right? And maybe it's just a lack of attention to detail at times, but yeah, the jogging it out, like that's a, that's a kind of like a non-starter for me. Like you are a young leader, hopefully on this team, or you want to be hustle plays always, right? There's players on this team that give it all every single opportunity they have. And they're not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Right. So I think that that, I don't know if it's just, he's, he's, it's laboring and it's weighing on him a lot. But when you're in a slump, I feel like if you just consistently do the little things, right, you're going to find a way to get out of that. But it looks like his plate approach is he's trying too much, He's trying to hit the ball out of the park. He's not taking disciplined approaches, and that to me is like he needs a he needs a reset. So if it's if it's moving him into the DH spot, giving him a day off first base, like I don't know, John Schneider's got a, got a a big thing in his hands to to to, to figure out and to deal with because yeah, we would like to see Vladdy. These are some important games coming up. I think you're right about if he hits one home run, like everything changes. But I it's like yeah, I don't know how how long we're waiting for one home run 
And what if it isn't like this click now I'm, mm-hmm. oh, I hit one home run. Yeah, I know in hockey sometimes it's like you get a goal, you get the monkey off your back and you, whatever. But if you're doing all the other things right, you hit one home run and then your offense is absolutely back to normal. But if you're not doing all the little things right, is this home run really going to elevate your play all the way to the top? I hope so. But Vladdy, Not if it, it comes off Luke Rayleigh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't, yeah, it didn't, didn't do for him. Anyway, so yeah, the Vladdy, the Vladdy stuff, of course, we'll, we'll keep, yeah, yeah, no, like, about... like it's still a team thing, right? Like uh, if he's if if the guy you know if he strikes out in a big spot and the guy behind him, whether it's Kirk or Chapman, whoever steps up and and lifts him up and has a big hit and picks up his teammate, mm-hmm. like that can go a long way too. Where it's just like, nah, I, I killed my team again. Like I yeah. I I sucked the momentum out of this inning again. Uh, that's when it can, it compounds the issue, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that the Blue Jays have been really. Uh, searching for is getting picked up by a teammate, having a clutch moment when it's, you know, when you, when you fail in the opportunity to get a runner home with one out, the guy with two outs does it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like that's the stuff that can kind of like help you uh, get through some individual emotional toll. And I think we saw a couple instances last night of the Blue Jays picking each other up uh, with Bo Bichette's double after Whit Merrifield's brutal base running blunder. You score the insurance run anyway. And then Jose Barrios gives up a couple runners in the eighth inning, soft contact still, but Mesa comes out there, gets the strikeout, or, or gets the out rather, and um, you know the Blue Jays get out of that little jam. So I, I, it, it's still a team aspect. It's yep. not just Vladimir Guerrero being singularly focused on one thing and trying too hard in one area and drowning this team from I an offensive that. perspective. It's not happening that way. Um, but until he really gets right, this team can't function the way it's supposed and he's to. Gonna, and he's going to wear the face of it. Like you are a young superstar, or you want to be a young superstar in this league. I think you deserve a little bit more of a conversation than if Kevin Kiermeyer, who has been very a plus addition, or Whit Merrifield, who another night like last night three hit Whit, like it's, they're not going to wear the face of this yeah. offense not producing, right? It's going to be pressure, right because it's less. There's so much more rope to overachieve, right? Yeah, if you're one of those guys. Like, like oh, kind of everything you're overachieving. <laughs> yeah, you're like, wow, you're actually hitting that. Like mm-hmm. that's not 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 to diminish it too much, but like if you're giving plus contributions, it's like, oh yeah, can we be really happy for that? Because you don't, they're you're not supposed to be Vladdy, and you're not supposed to do something otherworldly like Vladdy's supposed mm-hmm. to do. Like everything, unless you're MVP caliber, is a slight disappointment, mild disappointment. But when it goes too far the other direction, and it's like, okay, this is serious disappointment then that's when it's hard to even get back to the point where you're just a productive b- baseball player. Well, the second that Vladdy started this slump and has been in it, I see online all the time in our text line, texters texting in about like, maybe we overestimated what Vladdy is. Maybe this is a Vladdy that played in a ballpark that was Dunedin and was in Buffalo. And we saw these numbers that he'll never get to. Like, I don't think that that's fully accurate. I think that Vladdy can be a superstar in this league. But there is some validity to, look, he hasn't been that guy really since at that exact level, right? So I think people get really, and I, I'm I'm guilty of it too, like, okay, what what is Vladdy? Like, did we put too much on Vladdy's shoulders? And, and, and we're at, what, June 15th, there's a lot of baseball to be played left. But that's what I'm saying. So he's going to wear the face of it because he wants to be the guy that is hitting, what, 30 yeah. home runs. And, and look, Bo's had a great season, and George Springer's rounding back into form. So who's next in the to-do list is, is Vladdy. So, and there's also the money thing. Like, of it, course. It, it, that's both like ways into the concern conversation and the disappointment mm-hmm. and the anger. Like that is, it's part of it, but that weighs most on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's the one who hasn't got paid yet. He's yeah. the one who hasn't locked up his guaranteed dollars, his 300 plus million, all that stuff. And if we're talking concern level, like I'm not like overly concerned in the first couple months of a major league baseball season when that player hasn't been paid yet because Mm -hmm. he's still defining himself as long as he hasn't gotten paid yet as a player. And if he's not what we expected, then you can readjust and you can change your expectations. You can reroute where you're going as an organization, not to say you give up on that player, but maybe you're not going to give him that massive contract, make him the face of your franchise for more than a decade. I mean, when you pay the player, and that goes back to the Jose Brios conversation, when you've paid that player and they paid Jose Brios mm-hmm. and he can't find it over months and months and spilling into another year, that's when it's terrifying. That's when the concern level is at its peak. 
But Barrios is proof that you can, even if it goes poorly for a little while, turn things around because he has, and now he's performing at the level that was expected when he signed that contract. That's why the Manoa stuff, figure it out now. Haven't got paid yet. It helps us as fans kind of work through that. Um, okay, so Blue Jays, opportunity to win the series today, uh, 1 p.m., uh, Kikuchi versus Tyler Wells. That's on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan, of course. Catch that then, and then you got a nice quiet night after that. So... A little daytime viewing experience. Um, okay, so more things to get through. Jason Spezza, who resigned moments after Kyle Dubas was let go, has now joined the Pittsburgh Penguins. Shocker, shocker, shocker. Um, as an assistant GM, do the Pittsburgh Penguins have a GM to be an assistant to? No, I don't they, believe they, they do, don't, officially. Which is so what, uh, hmm, interesting. So... He'll be reunited with his buddy, Kyle Dubas. I think there's really no surprise to this at all. Um, it kind of felt like a, a a waiting until this was official type thing. I think that it certainly opens the door to who else makes this trip mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh. Is it Kyle Dubas now creating his front office with who he wants from Toronto and, and making it a Pittsburgh-esque version of it? It certainly feels like Jason Spezza headed there will be, once again, a good fit for him and... Not surprising for for Leafs fans to see that happen. Yeah, we're uh, we sort of doing where is your where is your affiliation lie with the the Maple Leafs in this Dubas story? And clearly, Jason Spezza says it wasn't with the Maple Leafs per se; it was with Kyle Dubas. And we'll see if there's anyone else who is in that same boat. And we're dancing around the name, so we might as well just say it. Where mm-hmm. does this leave Brandon Pridham, uh, who may have been looked at as potentially? Um, as the next general manager of the Maple Leafs before Bradshaw Living showed up. Um, and nothing really should stand in his way because he is an assistant general manager still mm-hmm. with the Maple Leafs. And if you're an assistant, nothing can really block you from another team making you their general manager. And the way it is st- set up in Pittsburgh is that Dubas is the Shanahan and they're still looking for their Dubas because they just put the Spezza under their Dubas. So there's a vacancy right there. It would seem if... Pittsburgh wanted Pridham and Pridham wanted to go. I that think it nothing would be would ever so stop easy to make that happen. So we'll see if Brandon Pridham actually has a decision to make here. But as long as that general manager vacancy is open, which is redundant, as long as the vacancy is there, uh, we're probably going to be talking about Brandon Pridham because we know, like Spezza is like this with Kyle Dubas, Pridham was the same. If you're already plugging in the assistant role of a GM spot that doesn't currently have someone in the chair doesn't one of your people doesn't it seem easy to say well this guy's going to work well with unnamed person because we know who unnamed person is if it's brandon pridham then we know that jason spezza and kyle dubas will be a nice little trio so Mm -hmm. i think a gm should choose its assistants i think that there's something there because if they pick i don't know justin cuthbert to be the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins, you don't know how you're going to work with Jason Spezza. Jason Spezza seems like an incredible person. I don't think there's any problem there, but wouldn't you want some sort of either relationship prior or a decision-making thing that you chose who's going to be your assistant? Mm-hmm, 100%. So it's like you don't hire the assistant coaches before you hire the head coach, right? Uh, there could be some like holdovers, if but it has but to be. But that's a holdover. Yeah, but you don't hire someone from another organization. That would be strange. Yes, to come over and be the assistant coach of yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs when you don't have a head coach. One hundred percent. So it's a weird, it's a weird decision making process. But obviously, it has to do with the relationship between Dubis and Spezza. And for me, it feels even more likely that there might be somebody else going. But I mean, I don't. I hope that's not the case. Seems like Brandon Pridham is like. Uh, highly coveted asset and he's done so much in terms of the way he's uh, aligned this cap situation he's smart everyone says he's one of the smartest men in hockey be tough to see him walk because of that opportunity to continue to be with people that obviously value him very highly so we'll see what brad Trey living does and yet if Trey living and pridham are are oil and water for whatever reason i don't expect them to be mm-hmm. i think they have that relationship uh Trey living was talking about it like maybe it's not best but again it has been a little quiet though right as soon as brad Trey living came in well it's supposed to be feverish activity and now we're 13 days away i think from the draft mm-hmm. and still no real confirmation on keith Still not a full idea of the front office structure. It's going to be the end of this week tomorrow. Then you have, what, another full week? And do you just go into the draft the way you are going into the draft, right? So I wonder if we'll see anything next week. Feverish was the word, and it has been more quiet than anything. Um, 
Interesting on Spezza because he, like Dubas, sort of, not, I wouldn't say made prom, maybe did, but it, like he made it so that like Toronto is my home, right? Yeah, I'm, didn't he say he would I'm like. I'm making a family here. Like my daughters men. are going to be here. Yeah. I'm taking league men because I, I want to be play anywhere here. Else. Won't play anywhere else, right? He did say won't yeah. play anywhere else. Pretty sure. Because he didn't say won't manage anywhere else. But is he just going to be a Pittsburgh person now? Be a Pittsburgh guy? I Loyalty wonder how means the setup a lot. is. Like, like, Loyalty the- does mean a lot. Um, but like. Again, uh, maybe this is kind of a Shane Doan thing where it's like, yeah, I'll be on the ranch and I'll be in Toronto, but I'll be in Pittsburgh when I need to be in Pittsburgh. Well, it's just nice to have one of those gigs. Win for him. Um, okay, you've got a, a Babcock tidbit here. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's definitely a news item. Mm-hmm. Michael Babcock's son, who I didn't even know there was a second, actually a third. This is the third Mike Babcock, but he goes by Michael. There's another Babcock, another Mike Babcock in the league hired by the St. Louis Blues as a skills coach. Apparently, he has, like, zero coaching experience, like, okay, very, so I, very yeah. little. He was on the Saskatchewan University staff with his with father his dad. at some point after, like, a very brief pro career that was played, I think, entirely overseas. But just the news of another Mike Babcock being in the NHL yesterday. He looks just a, like him. Have you he seen looks the photo just of like, him? Like he looks like a he's young Mike Babcock. He's 28 years old and it's he looks actually terrifying. like a 28-year-old yeah. Mike Babcock. So not only is one Mike Babcock, the Mike Babcock, back in the league coaching the Michael Columbus Babcock Blue Jackets. Michael Babcock III is we his got name. A Michael Babcock III to, to deal with now. He was, So he's going to be the Blues skills coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was with the Ottawa Senators last year where he specialized in in-game plans, pre-scouting, and on-ice development. So, I mean, big spot. So a little coaching experience. A little bit, yeah. I mean, Hanging around the Senators We just didn't year. know that he existed. So no. it's just funny <laughs> that there's now a Michael Babcock III and Mike Babcock. Wait till they play each other. Mm. They just look eerily similar. It's just, it's just, yeah. He played at Merrimack. Babcocks are respawning. <laughs> it's the year of the Babcock. Babcock's back. Um, okay, one other thing here that I wanted to bring up. So Stanley Cup takeaways are happening. Um, some stats. This one's kind of sad. Uh, Stanley Cup finals national broadcast ratings were down 43%. I believe this yeah, is an tough. American stat um, from last year. It was the least viewed Stanley Cup final since 2007. Now, it was on, ES- it was on ESPN last year and mm-hmm. TNT this year. I don't, I'm not like an expert, expert on like where you get your television or what's available to you, but I feel like ESPN would be more readily available than TNT. I can't, anyway, I can't tell you. If that's I'm... not much of an excuse, but I know like if you're anywhere in the United States, ESPN, there's a television with ESPN. Yep. Like you just, and I don't know how much that juices the numbers, but I feel like it would have somewhat of an impact because it's just like the default station everywhere you go. Uh, but that's not great. That is not great. I think it, it speaks to the markets that were involved. I mean, as much as you want to talk about how Matthew Kachuk is the face of hockey, he's not. And the Florida Panthers mm-hmm. are not uh, a team that is a particularly high draw. Uh, Vegas is as strong of a franchise in terms of like, lo- not major market, like not a New York, LA, whatever, uh, as you could possibly want. But it is still a local market. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people are going to the games. And a lot of people are involved in different ways other than sitting at home and watching them. So I think there are reasons why it would draw lower, but it's still not great. 43 is a big, big number, and it's hard to reconcile with that number, but they've signed these major deals with ESPN and TNT, and they're locked into them. So all that they can really hope for, while we hope a Canadian team goes, because it does matter, right, Um, that, you know, there's some major market involvement in the upcoming seasons, because I do think we would see a change in the numbers based on who's playing. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm I'm too surprised that the viewing experience was down, but on the other side of it, 2023 NBA playoffs were the league's most watched in five years. And I think that's surprising too, because you kind of had a similar... On ESPN? Yeah, you had, you had well, the postseason average 5.4 million viewers across ESPN, ABC, and TNT. So I think they combined them all. Okay. Um, nonetheless, I think, you know, you also had the Miami Heat, who were an eight seed, doing something pretty remarkable. You had the Denver Nuggets, who were a first-time championship team. Yeah, and so, like, I thought maybe there'd be a similarity in terms of, like, lower viewing experience, but seemed like the NBA playoffs took off, maybe at the expense of the NHL playoffs. Yeah, maybe happening simultaneous because it's normally is not like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether the, the NHL is before or after based on how the pandemic shifted timelines, usually... The NBA Finals is uh, awarded after, right? 
usually it's a bit uh, it's staggered. But when they're running simultaneously and it's every other night, uh, a lot of people are not into watching sports every single night mm-hmm. on the couch. So if you're choosing one, if you're an American or a general uh, sports fan, maybe you're leaning basketball. So this tidbit of that's the entire NBA series wrapped up, uh, sorry, of the whole playoffs, but the final itself... This is where it gets interesting. Was the least watched. Oh, okay. So the final between Denver and Miami was the least watched outside of the series affected by COVID since 2007. So Mm. watching the actual final, the final between Denver and Miami, least watched since 07. But in terms of the entire NBA playoffs, one of the most watched. So people really did not want to watch Denver and Miami in the final. Interesting. Yeah, it's just strange. I just... I think it was a very unique year for championship winners. We saw two back-to-back winners that had never won a championship before, and then two teams also in the final that really didn't have much business, I guess, statistically or standings-wise being there. So people still don't know how good Nikola Jokic is. Did you see that he... (laughs) There's a clip surfacing that... um, You're talking to Malika Andrews about it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, she's asking where... Oh, you didn't come in with the trophies. Is like post uh, the next day, maybe media. He's like, I don't know where I don't know where my MVP trophy went. Like I left it in the in the locker room or in the trainer's room, and it's gone. Does it bother you at all how little he cares? No, I just I think it's just authentically him. Yeah, you know what bothered me when I saw Jimmy Butler saying I would never go to the uh, Hall of Fame. I don't want to be a Hall of Famer. I do. I would not. I wouldn't go. I don't care about being a Hall of Famer. It's like don't lie, Jimmy Butler. Like if somebody said, "Would you like to be in the Hall of Fame? We'd like to induct you." You would go. Jokic, I feel like he's just so authentically like himself that it doesn't bother me that he he doesn't really care about this stuff. Like he seems so genuine about it. He wants to go home to, to his horse ranch and live mm-hmm. his life. Right. It, it only bothers me in like the most selfish way, where it's like, how is it fair that you care so little mm. and that you are so great at something? Like to be that good at something if you haven't, and he has put, let's be honest, the ten thousand yeah. hours ten times over, one hundred percent. But it doesn't burn like it does with others. And yet it doesn't matter because he's that good. Yeah. I think he's earned the the right to... He, and he is, he's overplaying a little bit the I don't care. Like, I'm sure right, he I'm does I'm sure there's care. like a 10%... But if he lost that trophy, goofiness. I don't think he cares. No. So someone in that, in that, uh, on that team better just, like, put it in a safety I'm box I'm sure they'll somewhere. find it. Yeah. I'm sure they'll find it. Um, okay, let's take a break. We've got the A-list on the other side, and then we'll hear from Dave Markle, who's the caddy for Nick Taylor in the PGA Tour um, from L.A. as the U.S. Open tees off this morning around 9 a.m. The first groups are out. The Canadians are a little later in the day. Um, so you get a nice primetime viewing later in the day to watch golf on your couch. We've got a full day of guests ahead, but we'll do the A-list after the break. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now it's time for hey, yo. the A-list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. baby? All right. Tis the season for graduation. We have a lovely text in the text line that... Steve from Oshawa is taking his daughter for her grade 12 graduation gift to F1 this weekend in Miami. I oh. mean, in Montreal. <laughs> Miami would be nice. I'm sure she'd like to go there, too. In Montreal. Less so, traffic in Miami, maybe. Yeah. I have no way. Miami's busy, busy. Maybe better logistically. Yes, I, I think so. Um, so there's lots of graduation going on around, and congratulations to the, to the grads, including Kyle Dubas. <laughs> who just received an honorary doctorate from his alma mater, Brock University, which we know and love. In 2007, he graduated with a degree in sport management and was asked to come back and speak to the young, the youth, mm-hmm. the future of Which is nice. Sport like, yeah, management. Kyle Dubas showed up at my graduation, mm-hmm. I'd be like, hell yeah, like, this is someone I want to I listen to. He was honored with a honorary doctorate, so he is now Dr. Dubas. Is he, though? <laughs> He's got an honorary doctor, Dr. Dubes. Like, there's no way we call you doctor now. No, you're not Haley Wickenheiser. I, I mean, I, we, I love David. Who is Al- a doctor, doctor. Yes, uh, it diminishes actual doctors. But I love David Alter. I saw the tweet, Dr. Kyle Dubas, yesterday, and I just burst out laughing. Okay, well, we have a clip I, from Dr. Okay, Kyle Dubas about uh, his time. So he's on the podium talking to the next generation, and he does refer to his time with the Maple Leafs. When Dr. Rigg called me in March, offered me the chance to come back here today and receive this honor, it was uh, very uh, overwhelming and, and frankly uh, made me incredibly nervous. 
because uh, oftentimes when people are invited to uh, give addresses like this, they have far more life experience and far more wisdom, uh, far more success that they can impart onto uh, the graduates and their families. So though I felt honored, I felt uh, a great deal of imposter syndrome as well. On May 19th, I was fired from my job with the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was at that point, after thinking for a couple of months after Dr. Igg had called, exactly what I wanted to say. I'd never been fired before. Uh, that was my first time, hopefully my last, but I'll, I'll probably get to uh, that same conversation again at some point. That's life and the way that it goes. As Dr. Igg just said, embrace failure. We've had a lot of failure in my time with the Leafs and Sault Ste. Marie, and um, <laughs> I'm happy to share that with you at all times. That's the way it goes. Very giggly in that audience. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, do we laugh at that? The yeah, they, were, they were laughing pretty hard. It was hard. cute. Uh, but yeah, he got up there, he got his honorary doctorate degree, and back to Pitt he goes. It really confused me yesterday what a doctor it was. Like, I'm not a, I'm not like a post, I went to post-secondary. I have a post-secondary education, but I'm not, like, I'm, not like, <laughs> I'm not like going back every year and celebrating everyone who does post. It's a pretty big American school thing. Like, that's what I mean. I was like, I don't remember any of that. Like we certainly at our at my graduation and any other commencement from Dartmouth, whoever's your like speaker, convocation, whatever speaker, mm -hmm. commencement speaker, gets an honorary degree for their like lifetime achievement in that role. It's it's a way of honoring somebody. Usually they have so the alma mater it's, tie. It's a glorified guest speaker. Yeah, hundred percent is. You're booking someone. It's like come to here headline, and do this thing, and you're we're headlining gonna, a graduation. We'll give you something for your wall. Okay. We could plaque this. So he's thing. not a medical doctor. He, no, he. I really hope he doesn't try to practice. He doesn't being get the doctor. If he gets uh, the see, prefix, I think he, no, he can't get the he prefix. Could use, he no. could use it. No. There's well, no somebody listening's got to have anyone, an honorary if doctorate. If anyone earnestly calls him Doctor Kyle Dubas, I'm uh, I'm not gonna be able to handle it. Well, he's got an honorary doctorate. He's got it on his wall, probably in Pittsburgh. If I'm a doctor grinding twelve hours yeah, a day, it's probably and he's a slap using in the face. doctor, I'm furious. <laughs> it's probably a it's probably a little bit of tough guy, one. Like guy, you go to school for an extra ten years. Guy runs a hockey years. team that does nothing. Yeah, he made and he made that clear too. He's got too. the same title that I have as someone who cures people of serious disease. A little different, but yes, the DR, what is that, prefix still still applies. Mm. Anyway, congrats to Kyle Dubas and all the grads that are graduating in this time. Uh, you did it. Way your her hats fly as high as your dreams. Mm -hmm. It's a great moment, throwing the hat. Let's do it. Uh, Dave Markle joins us after the break. Caddy for Nick Taylor on the PGA Tour. Let's talk about that Canadian heritage moment that we witnessed on Sunday.